Hey guys, um, so the episode you're getting ready to hear is actually pretty late. Uh, it was recorded a few months ago, and so I apologize. Uh, we Big Shrimp Radio took a hiatus, um, had some stuff come up, and the hiatus ended up taking a whole lot longer than anticipated. And so I'm really sorry, and I apologize to the artists, um, each of them, that their episode is coming out extremely late. But I guess it's better late than never. So without further ado, here we go, and I hope you all enjoy. Hello, 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 everybody, and welcome to Big Shrimp Radio. Uh, we got another episode for you today, a really cool one. Um, an artist that I'm really intrigued by. I've got a few songs that I'm really digging right now. One of those being, I said, Get Used to You. I've listened to that probably 20 times in the last couple of days. Really nice sound. And... Uh, Mr. Ken Wilbur's on the line. Ken, you know, I'm going to tell you right now what really caught my attention about you is that uh, on your notes, the notes I got from Bev, uh, your birthday is two days off from mine, so you're a fellow uh, Scorpio. All right. Well, we, you know, uh, so Scorpio's got to stick together. <laughs> we do, we do. We got a bad rap out there. So it seems like so. Hey, if you get stung by a Scorpio, you probably deserve it. Oh, well, probably. <laughs> <laughs> so how you doing, man? It's good to have you on the show. I'm excited to have you. Um, like I said, I've been listening to your music, and I'm a fan. I didn't know who you were previously. That is my fault. But I'm very glad to find out who you are. <laughs> Um, love your music. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. And it's good to be on. Absolutely. So you, um, you had a fascination and a love for music early on as a child. And, um, you learned to sing by trying to emulate, uh, those whom you heard as a child. Is that right? Yeah, that's, uh, that's absolutely true. Uh, my grandmother actually, when I was a little kid, man, my, my grandparents were, were pretty poor. And, uh, one year they didn't have anything to give me for my birthday when I was about seven or eight years old. And, uh, they decided that they were just going to give me a huge stack of a bunch of my grandmother's old records. And, uh, you know, so I was just into that instantly. And I'd stand around the turntable just uh trying to emulate whoever i was listening to so it was mostly you know conway Twitty and merle haggard and george jones and johnny cash people like that what a gift i know the circumstances may have not have been the best that you were to be gifted um uh secondhand you know items but the gift of music is a gift that really keeps on giving especially for artists and people that are in the creative field to begin with. Uh, so, and it sets you up Absolutely. for life. To this day, it's the, uh, still the best gift I've ever gotten for my birthday. 
Awesome, awesome, yeah. I would, I would think so. And then we fast forward a few years, and you're in high school, and you discover theater and acting, and that becomes your your new passion. Um, what's it? You know, it, it seems like it's almost um, predestined the way you 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 fall in love with music and then theater because the two really do go hand in hand in the creative arts and um if you're a good performer or a good artist if you can sing and you got to be able to work the stage um usually and if you're able to act and do theater obviously that lands and helps out with being able to work the stage as a performer and so yeah what was that like well i mean i, I definitely think you're right uh quote Forrest Gump, you know, the two of them go together like peas and carrots. <laughs> they really do. <laughs> if you're going to be successful in either field, you, you almost have to have some sort of proficiency in the other one. Acting, you know, often requires you to do, to be able to sing and to dance and, and things of that nature, which I'm terrible at dancing, by the way. We're just throwing that out there. Like, God awful, full body dry heave set to music. Do not try this at home, folks. It's terrible. <laughs> That's why I always played in the band. <laughs> it's just, it, it's not pretty. But uh, the music I, I took to right away, and I've always been attracted to performing. And I, I really do credit theater in a lot of ways for bringing me out of my shell. You know, I was kind of a shy kid, and that gave me an avenue to be creative and got me up in front of people and made me very comfortable. And, you know, it just kind of branched out there. Right. So, um, but you really do with, with theater, you learn so many great things, how to work a crowd and, you know, and, and so many things that are useful in music. And so what's really cool is you mentioned early on that you were gifted, uh, records from, country classics and giants and uh, then you would end up getting to play the role of um, Hank Williams in a play in the theatrical performance um, in a way it kind of comes full circle for you it kind of did and uh, that was one of the biggest honors of my life was to get to portray the legendary Hank Williams uh, my father was a huge Hank Williams senior fan and I was, I, you know, in turn became a big Hank Williams senior fan and a Hank junior fan as well. So to, to get a chance to play that icon was, was really cool. And fortunately there's, there's not a lot of video on Hank senior, uh, given when he passed, but, um, there's a lot, and I mean a lot of radio, uh, performances that are available. So I was able to really, you know, listen to all of those and try to get the, you know, the syncopation and how he talked and, you know, all of the, the subtle nuances and try to, you know, bring that into the performance. And it, it, it was so great. So much fun. I'm, I'm so thankful that I got to do that. Did you understand at that time what a, uh, what a legend he was? Like he's almost like a God in, in when it comes to country music, you know? Um, oh yeah. There's, other than Jimmy Rogers, I don't think, you know, there's, there are too many people that are more important in terms of, you know, putting country music on the map than, than Hank Williams Sr. 
No, no, I would agree. Definitely one of the most prolific songwriters of all time as well, you know, aside from his performances. And so you you did that, you got to fight him, and what was the response? Uh, was it positive or? Um, well, I think I think people really enjoyed it, and I was pretty heavily involved with the, the production. Um, I was on the, the board of directors with the theater group that actually produced the show. So I was able to put in a lot of creative input and, uh, you know, a lot of people don't know this about me, but I'm definitely a a music nerd and I'm also kind of a history nerd. So the two kind of went hand in hand with this and I was able to, you know, put my two cents in and try to make it as authentic as humanly possible. So the opening of the the show was an announcement, a radio announcement of uh, Hank Williams Sr.'s passing. And I was actually able to do some, some research and dig around and find an actual copy of an original radio broadcast, you know, announcing his, his death. And, and we were able to use that for the opening of the show. And I had a, an elderly lady come up to me uh, after the show and say, man, you know, I, I remember what I was doing the day that that happened. I was driving down the road and I heard this and, and that was the same exact announcement that I heard. And I can't believe you found it. And it, it, this was just so cool and so authentic. So it, it, it was great to be able to do that for people. Man, that is awesome. That's awesome. And it's, you know, it's weird how um, people can record, you know, and create art and then they pass away and their art outlives them. And uh, to this day, uh, people are still discovering um, Hank Singer and, um, or, or, or even Elvis Presley for that matter. And, they have a whole new generation of fans um, decades and decades and decades after they've been gone. And to be able to honor their memory, um, especially somebody like you that already had appreciation for music from that era, um, it's got to be a pretty cool thing to be able to do that and to do it well. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I'll, I'll tell you, to kind of segue, that that particular show um, really, in a nutshell, helped to jumpstart my music career. Uh, I, in doing the show, one of the gentlemen who came in and auditioned for uh, a band member, one of Hank Williams' uh, Drifting Cowboys, we got to talking after his audition and, you know, he said, yeah, Oh, you're working on an album. Oh, that's great. I got a studio. You should, you should come into my studio and, and work on your record. And I ended up doing that, uh, when we were recording my role on my own album, which I did up here in, in New York. And we, you know, we were kind of learning what we were doing. We didn't have a clue. We we're flying by the seat of our pants and going in that studio. We ended up cutting that record and he had a connection from, uh, back in the day when he was studying to become an audio engineer, uh, he was, he was friends with, uh, Tony Cottrell who worked in Nashville as a, uh, front of house guy and, you know, all around uh, tour manager and guru for the band exile. And, uh, we, we sent my project down to have him master that project and he ended up liking it enough that he pitched it to Sonny LaMare from exile. And that was how I ended up coming to Nashville and, uh, and working with those folks. Oh, wow. Wow, that's awesome. And so... Um, and you never, 
Go ahead. Yeah, you never know where life's going to take it. Sometimes the things that you do uh, that you think are insignificant at the time turn out to be major milestones in your life. Yeah, they really do, especially um, when it comes to connections and people that you meet or someone that um, somehow heard of or saw or whatever it was that you were a part of. No matter how insignificant it may have seemed, that person, for whatever reason, uh, feels drawn to you and... It sets you up for going down a whole new road you didn't know you were going to go down. So, did you, um, and so you're obviously you're doing the music thing now. Do you have the itch to uh, continue to act and uh, get involved with uh, theater, or is music really your main focus right now? Well, right now, music is my main focus. Uh, I'm certainly not against doing any acting projects or anything. Uh, it, it's a matter of, I've, I've been acting for, for 20 years and plus, and it's kind of one of those deals where I only want to take projects that really kind of get my attention and make me say, wow, I really have to be a part of this. And uh, if, it, if it doesn't do that for me, then... You know, I'm not looking to do anything just for the sake of doing it or for a payday or whatever. Um, I'd have to be passionate about the project, but definitely, uh, you know, it's not anything I would ever rule out. Well, there you have it. And if it's something you're passionate in, obviously you're going to uh, put forth that much more effort into perfecting your craft and your performance. And and um, I would rather have one really good uh whatever it is, really good painting, a really good song, a really good role, um, than to have 20 nonchalant ones that really don't uh, make a difference. So, yeah, I definitely get where you're coming from with that, for sure. Well, I couldn't agree with that statement more. You know, you, you hear the, you know, people say you fake it till you make it, but um, I don't, I can't subscribe to that school thought because whether it's, you know, music audience or your, your theater audience or your film audience, they, they pick up on that immediately and they, they can sense authenticity and that's what they're drawn to. Yeah, they know, they know, especially today, um, musically, um, music is a big thing. People know the audience knows if you're just phoning it in, if, if it's, if you're, uh, for lack of better terms, half-assing it, if it's not your passion, if you're not really dialed in, uh, people can pick up on you. And what people are looking for today is genuineness. Um, we have a like a buffet table. Um, we have so much to choose from and so many different um, entities pulling at our attention at all times um, in this day and hour in which we live. And, and people are choosing what they want and by and large, what it seems is people are looking for what's real, what they can relate to, and um, what's genuine. And if they don't feel it, if it's not real, if it doesn't touch them, guess what? You're you're not going to have an audience. Um, or if you do, it's going to be a very minimal audience. So, um, Absolutely. yeah, you've got to be true to yourself, especially your art. Absolutely. And I, I think that's the goal of, of any, you know, performer, whether they be, you know, an actor or a musician or whatever, you know, to pull the old AT&T slogan, you know, to, to reach out and touch somebody. If you can, mm-hmm. if you can just grab them and pull them in, you know, you, you got a fan for life if you can do that. 
Absolutely. Um, so you just released three songs at once, um, three separate singles. Uh, what was the thought process behind releasing three right around the same time instead of um, really spacing them out? Well, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Um, it, it wasn't some kind of crazy marketing ploy. It was actually a pretty simple deal in that uh, these three songs are going to be included uh, on my upcoming album, Ran Out of Sky, which should be coming out later this year. And... I had already done all of the, uh, I had all the artwork done and uh, everything else that went involved with doing a, a digital release on them. So it just hit the point where it was like, okay, I'm, I've been hanging out of these songs. I, I wanted to get them out. So here we go. We're just going to do a song dump before the album. So there was, there was nothing really more to it than that. Uh, and, you know, it was around the holidays and stuff. And I had put out a song for a couple months. So I figured, you know, we give the people that, uh, and enjoy our music uh, a little extra treat for the holidays can't complain about that um and definitely all three of them are uh really well put together i enjoy all three of them um again i hate to sound like a broken record but i reiterate my favorite of the three is i to get used to you but um i want to play a clip of freedom song real quick and uh, we'll come out of it and talk about the writing process behind the song. Here we go, Freedom Song. Really, really fun song, and you can hear uh, your early country influences in that as well. Um, and I love the guitar riff. It's really cool. Uh, what's the story behind this song? Well, uh, I'll be, I'll, you know, in terms of my recording the song, I, I didn't write the song. It was written by uh, Sonny Lemaire, who produced it, and uh, he also did some harmonies on it and played bass. Um, it was also written by Clay Mills and a gentleman by the name of Jimmy Ritchie. The song was originally recorded by uh, the Southern rock band Blackberry Smoke, and, you know, just a plug for them, if you have never listened to this band, for the love of God, I implore you, check them out, because they are awesome uh at any rate i uh was given a whole bunch of demos to uh pick from for the project uh by my producer sonny lamare and this was one of the tunes and i gravitated to it um i I grew up listening to southern rock 
God, was a big fan of Charlie Daniels band and the Marshall Tucker band and the Almonds and, you know, all that stuff. In fact, I even uh, played in a Southern rock band called JD Mistress for a, a short period of time. So I really uh, enjoyed that type of music and this was just right in that vein. And I, I felt like, uh, I liked the imagery of it. I liked everything really that the song talked about. I've I, you know, been working for a living my whole life and certainly have a lot of experience working double shifts and, you know, being tired and just wanting to get out and go fishing and get away from all that. And so, I mean, I, I really related to it. So I, I was very happy with how the song came out. And uh, I, I hope everyone else uh, that, that hears it can, can find something in it that they relate to as well. It's definitely a relatable song. I can remember um, back... Oh gosh, around two thousand eight, two thousand nine, two thousand ten, I was working in a call center, and um, I ended up working my way up to a supervisor. And it's really been not in this job, to be honest with you. Not really the most uh, pleasant of jobs to have either. Uh, obviously, you're calling a lot of folks that don't want you to be calling them. <laughs> but um, you know, it was. I can remember even then I would, um, I lived in East Tennessee about five hours from Nashville and I would still look forward to every other weekend I'd be off that Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. Oh my God. I can't wait. Friday I get off at, uh, 10 PM. I'm going to go fill up the car and I'm driving straight to Nashville. Just hit the open road. Um, this tiredness, uh, shake off the tiredness, shake off the weariness and the stress and the frustration. And um, since then, throughout life, uh, when I was becoming a mortician, it was the same thing. I enjoyed the work as a mortician, but uh, being able to take time off and just go onto the open road and drive um, um, and just shake everything off, you know. That was my thing. It's what I looked forward to. I would literally count down the days and the hours until I got to do that. And uh, so, yeah, this song is definitely relatable as far as that's concerned. I think a lot of people feel that way. Just the rut of life, the um, same old, same old every day. You look forward to that change of scenery, the change of atmosphere, and, and you're free. You have nothing else to worry about. Yeah. Absolutely. I think now too, especially with everything going on in the, in the world and in the United States with the, with the pandemic and all that, it rings even more true because people are just stuck in their houses. A lot of them and, or they're just going to work and then they're stuck in their houses. So, you know, the idea of getting out on the open road and, and doing something different, is really appealing. Oh, I couldn't agree more. I think a lot of folks are going to go nuts once uh, everything's finally clear and back to normal. It's going to be like, you know when you come home to a dog and you've been gone all day and you come home to the dog and the dog just saw you this morning, but they actually think seen you in 10 years. They're jumping around, around in circles and barking and, and you have your nose open, your feet <laughs> and your butt. And, you know, it's like, they're like, come on now. I think a lot of folks are going to be like them. Uh, That's going to be me the first concert I do or- <laughs> first concert I do or first uh, first concert I go to, that's going to be me, man. I, I'm ready. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. 
Um, and so the next song, uh, Bread on the Table. Let's play a clip of Bread on the Table. Gas in the car Every now and then a little whiskey in the jar Gonna keep on working As long as I'm able Doing what I can to keep bread on the table Clothes on the line The washer needs fixing Trying to squeeze in a little hugging and a kissing One on the way One in the cradle Ain't much sleeping Keeping bread on the table Mr. Bill Collector Wants my last Trying to stretch a paycheck just to make do. Gotta pay the rent, forget about the cable. It's hard enough keeping bread on the table. Most of our friends in the same boat hanging by a thread. What a fun song, and I hated to fade away when you're hitting those high notes there. Uh, so what's the story behind bread on the table? Well, uh, bread on the table, uh, once again was, uh, this is a cover song, uh, which, you know, I don't want you to get the idea that I exclusively do cover songs. It just happened to be that, uh, actually all three of these songs that I released all at once were, were covers. This, uh, was an exile tune that they did on, uh, one of their EPs a couple of years ago. And, uh, they don't, they don't really perform it out live or anything. Um, and you know they played it for me and i, I really responded to it it, it kind of an, another one of those deals where it, it really felt like it tapped into my my blue collar roots i certainly understand a lot of uh what they're talking about i've been there and <laughs> many times in my life you know worrying about whether you were going to pay the rent or the cable bill or the light bill or you know whether you're going to buy food and you know Fortunately, things have gotten, you know, exponentially better on that front. But, you know, when you've gone through that, you you never forget what that's like. So, you know, I, I certainly hope that rings true. And, and during the pandemic uh, that's going on, you know, with, you know, so many people having lost their jobs or getting their hours cut back and everything, I think that really also kind of hits home for folks. So I, I the other thing that really kind of caught me with this song is it, it feels like it's a great, like, line dancing type song. And it, yeah bit of a throwback to the type of stuff you would have heard in the 90s which you know i mean i definitely grew up listening to 90s country and was a huge fan of that you know wasn't much of a line dancer myself but uh, you know i spent a lot of time you know on the stage with the with the jukebox band watching other people line dance so it, it kind of hit home with me in that sense too i definitely got that feel from it for sure um um the previous song had a little bit of a 90s flair to it too in my opinion but uh, both of these songs, uh, Bread on the Table and uh, Freedom Song, both of them uh, are very uh, um, appropriate for the day we, we're living in uh, with the pandemic, for sure. Um, you know, a lot of folks, unfortunately, they they have to ration uh, bills and, and try to figure out, okay, this month... I, I guess I can fall behind a little bit on this this month, and someone to take care of the others, and maybe next month I'll 
pay that late fee or whatever. But that's as horrible as a system as that is, it gets a lot of people by. But then when um, a disaster comes your way, like this pandemic, and it affects everybody, um, you are, you you had learned to adapt to a system of kind of getting by, you know, and struggling, but you were still able to get by. But then once this comes along, I mean, it's like it pulls the floor out from under you. It cripples you. And um, how many people can relate to that, unfortunately? I mean, it's, it's, it's weird because it's gotten to the point that for the first time um, that I know of in American politics that um, the idea of universal basic income in America has been con- taken seriously. It's an idea that people have seriously considered and pondered, um, which, you know, um, it's sad that our reality has gotten to that point, but um, we're always able to bounce back, and that's the beauty of being an American is no matter how uh, rough this, the situation has gotten, no matter how horrible or how broken, we've always been able to mend and heal and bounce back stronger than before. So, hopefully, that's. I agree the- more, and I mean, you look at it in, in this way, you know. I mean, it, it, you know, I, I'll be honest. With you, I'm definitely, I'm, I'm, I don't, I don't like to get into anything political at all. Um, you know, I feel like people don't really care what I think about politics. They, they just want to hear, you know, music, and that's I'm, I'm cool with that. Right. But the one thing that I will say is, you know, it's, uh, like you said, America is a very resilient nation, and we are a very, very, very resilient people. And, I mean, if, if we can bounce back from the Civil War, we can bounce back from anything. Yeah. And that's, that's something, you know, like that should just, we should be able to look at that and see that as an inspiration and be like, that is, was one of the darkest moments in our nation's, nation's history. We were literally on the battlefield fighting each other and we have come back from that. We're not, you know, a hundred percent where we should be, but every single day I feel like we move closer to where we should be and, and we, we should all be proud of that. I couldn't agree more. Um, whether it's fighting amongst ourselves or uh, having being attacked on our own soil in 9-11 or Pearl Harbor, um, even then we're able to bounce back. Uh, America has always been able, or the Great Depression, um, economic ruin um, in the United States. America bounced back again, and we'll do it. We'll do it. I'm confident we'll do it. And... Uh, that's what I love about this country. One of the many things I love about this country is that you can count us down, but you'll never be able to pin our shoulders down for the three count. You know, you can uh, give us the bit, the best blow you've got, but when the referee says seven, eight, we're back on our feet. We're back. Uh, we're not down for the count. So, Name me that, brother. And here we go. Oh, God. I love this song, man. I don't want to be annoying about it, but I really liked it a lot. And here we go. Uh, I should get used to you. If you feel like dancing, let it show. 
listening to that and sonically it sounds a little bit different from the other stuff you put out yes yes i do we we tried to uh you know we try to throw a little you know something different in here and there to just you know for our own peace you know mind and to keep us interested and also to you know keep folks listening interested uh this uh this song was actually uh, a number one record for exile back in the 80s and <laughs> It actually is my wife Amanda's favorite Exile song. So when we were going into the studio, and you know, I mean, I'm working with some of the members of Exile. I was like, man, I I, I got to do the song for her. So we sat down and, and talked about how we were gonna, you know, remake the song. And it, it turned out, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, Sonny Lemare was uh, in a group called Selby Mills Lemare, and they kind of played around with doing a reggae version of this tune and he was like hey you should you should try it this way so you know i was a little skeptical at first till i started singing along with it and then i was like hmm, to, to coin uh mr lamar's phrase uh yeah buddy i was all in <laughs> man i love it and um yeah, i don't know it just it gives me all the feels and I don't have anybody in my life right now, um, a significant other, but maybe someday soon. But um, so all three of these are cover songs, but you said you don't just do cover songs. You also have originals. Um, and you mentioned you got a full album, a project coming out later out later on this year. Um, will that album be strictly covers since these three song singles are covers, or will you have some of your own stuff uh, intermingled with those. Well, the, uh, the, the new album that's coming out, uh, I didn't write any of the songs on the new album. They are all, uh, songs that were written by my producer, Sonny Lemaire, um, um, and other folks. Um, that being said, um, I wouldn't technically call most of the songs on the album cover songs, uh, as they've never been done by anybody else. Right. Um, these three, these three had, so definitely those are, those are covers. And my, my first album that we did up here, uh, rolling my own, um, I wrote, you know, quite a, quite a good portion of that record. And, uh, you know, probably as we, as we move forward into the, uh, the, you know, the project after this one, uh, we'll, we'll probably do some more original material on there and, uh, you know, I'll get involved in doing some writing sessions and stuff. 
uh, you know, with some of the, the people who are, who are really, really, really amazing songwriters, uh, you know, down in Nashville and, you know, kind of learn from them and, and get better as I go. Um, do you, when do you anticipate the album to be released? Um, I'm probably thinking somewhere around April or May. We're, uh, we're in the process right now of getting the, uh, the mastering done on it. And, uh, you know, then, uh, I'm, we're doing a vinyl pressing on this. Oh, nice. Um, so it's just a matter of you know, how, how backed up they are, uh, at the pressing plants. Cause there, there aren't so many of them as they used to be. And, uh, you know, <laughs> you, you got to wait your turn in the queue. So we'll see how that goes, but we're, uh, this will be the, the first album we do a vinyl release on and uh, we'll also have a CD and then we'll of course be released, you know, digitally to, you know, iTunes and Spotify and Amazon and all the other purveyors of fine music. How cool is that? And I think that's appropriate. Uh, considering three of these songs, um, being what they are, it, they fit, they would fit very well on vinyl. And, um, now how cool is it though? That vinyl is, is a thing again. Like, uh, people are going out buying retro players or turntables, and that's the coolest thing in the world, in, in my opinion. Oh well, me too. I'm, I'm, I've always been a been a vinyl nut, and I've, I've been collecting. You know, ever since uh, you know we mentioned my grandmother and grandfather gave me those records when I was a kid. And right. I never stopped collecting. Uh, so I'm 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 over forty thousand pieces right now in my house. Holy cow! <laughs> forty. Yeah, I, I have a bit of a problem with that. <laughs> Oh, Lord. are we going to see you on one of those episodes uh, on an episode of Hoarders one day? Is your name going to well, pop up? Uh, oh my God! There's that guy, Ken. Uh, yep. <laughs> I, I certainly hope not because I've, I've seen that show and those, those people's places are uh, are a disaster. And, uh, <laughs> my stuff is all on shelves and alphabetized and pretty. <laughs> oh well, there you go. <laughs> I love it. Um. And so, um, you know, you got these three songs out. And a minute ago, I wrote down the name, Blackberry Smoke. You said, please, for the love of God, check them out. Uh, before we let you go, go ahead and uh, give me a quick synopsis on who Blackberry Smoke is. Because unfortunately, I'm one of the ignorant ones. I don't know. All right. Well, if you like Southern rock music at all, you're going to dig them, I guarantee you. Um, they're just, they're that cool, very high energy. Uh, I guess the way that I would describe it, it, it's almost like the Allman Brothers and Leonard Skinner and the Marshall Tucker band had a baby together and that would be Blackberry Smoke. (laughs) So they're, they're very Southern rock and, and, you know, blues rock, uh, driven, but they, they're also, quite influenced by classic country and you you can tell a lot about an artist when you go see them live and you can hear the music that they play you know to keep the crowd entertained before they do their show and black smoke is like going all the way from hank williams senior you know into you know marshall tucker and leonard skinner and all that so i mean they definitely have that influence uh, of, of country they're, you know, they're a band out of Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, yeah, definitely, definitely check them out. Because I'll tell you what, I had I never heard of them before. I did Freedom Song, and uh, I ended up going to Grammys in Nashville, and I picked up every album they ever did. And just man, I've been I've been a fan ever since. I got to see them live a few times, and yeah, so definitely check them out. I would definitely, definitely do that. Do you know them? 
I've uh, never actually met uh, any of the guys from the band. Uh, <laughs> didn't have the opportunity to do that, but yeah, definitely, definitely a big fan. Uh, I was going to say with them, no, I'll be looking for them, but yeah, I would definitely check them out. Thank you for that. Um, I do love uh, Southern Rock, and uh, yeah, so it sounds like it's my kind of th- my cup of tea. Um, anyways, um, I want to thank you so much for coming on today, um, Ken. It's the honor was mine, and if anybody wants to know how to get a hold of you on Instagram or find your music, where can we find you at? Well, uh, you can find me on Facebook at Ken Wilbur Country. You can find me, uh, I have a website, KenWilburCountry.com. I am on Facebook and Instagram um, under Ken Wilbur. You can certainly find me there. Um, so, you know, me, come on out. You know, we're always uh, looking to talk to people and find out what they think of the songs and, you know, any suggestions and just, you know, even just comments about how, you know, you know, something affected you or that you just really like it. We're always happy to hear from everybody who's listening out there. So, uh Come check us out on socials and uh, and check out our website, Ken Wilbur Country or KenWilburCountry.com. Well, there you have it, folks. Ken Wilbur, K-E-N-W-I-L-B-R. And obviously, um, the links are down in the notes below. And um, Ken, thank you again for coming on. And folks, as I always say, our tomorrows are never guaranteed. And for some of us, unfortunately... We've got less of them left than we do yesterday's. Life is a journey, and whatever hindrance or roadblock, whatever drama, trauma, negativity, struggle, pain, shame, or guilt, lay it to the side and get to stepping. Live your life and live your truth unapologetically. Aspire to inspire before you expire. And as always, until next time, you've got a friend in me. You've been listening to Big Shrimp Radio with the one and only Ken Wilbur, and we are signing off.